Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. And how is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have multiple phone lines, so uh, when you call in, Let's see who is here today. That's James. James is producing. He'll just need your first name, nothing else beyond that, and uh, that'll set you up. And afterwards, we'll discuss what's impacting your trees. And speaking of trees, aren't the dogwoods and redbuds fantastic right now? Man, they are unbelievable. And also in our neighborhood, we have a couple flowering lilacs, and the fragrance of those things are wow. We And how about your perennials? How about that hillside, the shrubs, the lawn, your ground covers, or uh, anything that's planted in the outdoors? Or we can step inside and take a look at your tropical world. <laughs> I moved uh, my house plants out, two major ones, uh, the kaffir lilies, and Tracy told me, I, you should put them over here. I said, Tracy, they're going to get sunburned if I do that. And so she said, you got to do... Some of the things I say I want you to do. So, okay, I put them where she said to, and they are sunburnt. <laughs> but they'll recover. So, anyway. And what is a potting mix? And should you be doing any pruning? And, ooh, starting to see more and more insect activity. And suspicious growth or spots, transplanting, uh, taking cuttings, and beyond. I'll share my knowledge to help you Make a good decision on the action you take is going to be strictly up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you having me into your plant world. Another very important player, as I said before, James produces. He pushes all the buttons, answers all the phones and everything else. And then after the show today, I have to take a video. He's going to t- help me take a video. And, uh, oh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting a Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and check out your plant world on-site. It's a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. In the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I was kind of didn't – I never really know where I'm going to go when I kind of get up and have breakfast and everything else. So I just headed down Morgan Ford, and at Filer, in the Tower Grove South neighborhood, there's the Marty Frumhoff Garden. 
The Kwanzaa cherry in this garden, well, it's already finished flowering, but the foliage really looks good. And there's a crab apple in there that has finished flowering too. The two maples, well, they're well squirted. They got the maple squirts. And uh, these are not quite as good as the ones that we had growing up on Maple Lane in Ellisville because we had the silver maples. They were big enough that if you squeezed them just right, you could get some juice shooting out of them. And uh, the leaves are about half size on these maples. And below, you're going to find some tulips really looking very good right now. Grape hyacinths still blooming. And there are a pair of benches in this, in this little wedge park. And they invite you to sit and enjoy the variegated clump liriope. There's hostas. There's dianthus. There's some, uh, the dianthus has uh, nice flowers on it. And that blue-gray foliage really looks good. There's boulder accents. And they hug some maiden grasses, which are just coming up. You can see the clump abilities of the maiden grass. They kind of migrate away from where they uh, originally were planted. And uh, so if you do have some maiden grasses you, and you want to kind of control the, that migration from the center of where they were, you can dig them up and uh, chop them up, chop that center out and get rid of it, and then go ahead and just replant. And the dandelions, well, they've already finished flowering, or a lot of them, so they've got the seeds just waiting there to be blown by the winds. And there's a couple of ewes, one of them showing some new growth. There's coral bells along with some other perennials, and they're all saying, yay, as the numerous birds that were singing all over the place as the sun was rising. Uh, just, It's nice to see so much stuff going on at one time. It was kind of a cool breeze this morning. And uh, the cool season annual weeds, they were saying, like henbit, yes, we have another month maybe, and then after that we'll disappear. But we have dropped a lot of seeds, and we'll be back. And the carved walkway through here is just a, kind of a nice touch to this small wedge park. And uh, it's just, well, it's not really a park. It's a garden. Sorry. And, uh, well... I thought, well, it's kind of time to go, and I started to head down the street on this April morning. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's get a phone call in before we take break. Let's go to Bill. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. Hey, I uh, planted a uh, panicle hydrangea last fall, and... Uh, you know, this uh, spring here, the, it's leafing out. It looks normal. But uh, just yesterday, I noticed some white specks, and they're just on the edges of the leaf and not on the underside. And I tried to uh, look at it, uh, a leaf under a magnifying glass, and I really couldn't identify much. I couldn't see any movement uh and, you know, I was able to take off the speck uh, with my finger, but I had to, it took a little effort. But uh, when I first approached the uh, hydrangea, I noticed some type of uh, webbing. And instead of investigating that, I just reflexively just removed it because I, I knew that wasn't a good thing. So... Anyway, you have any ideas what these white specks are on the edges of the leaf? Well, it's, you know, without kind of seeing them, it's kind of tough to tell. 
I mean, uh, generally, we you know when we think of you know, that kind of you know situation, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But in uh, the webbing that was early on, that's not going to be spider mites. That's a little bit too early. So uh, spider mites they don't like to come out when the weather's still cool. So I would say probably any of the problems. I mean, this could be scale. That's you know the whites you know the white specks on the foliage, but uh, I just don't you know I'm not exactly sure what it is. And if you can just rub it off, if you're concerned about it personally, I would just leave it and see what happens. And that way, okay. it's not they're not going to do any kind of probably major damage. But if you start to see the colony increase, then maybe take one of the leaves to your favorite garden center and have them take a look at it. All right. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, uh, the insect, there's an insect activity, you know, a lot of it going on right now, but it's not going to really cause many problems with the plant material. So thanks, Bill. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. KMOX, the 2023 Large Market Radio Station of the Year, recognized by the Missouri Broadcasters Association. KMOX, we were built for this. Yes, folks, we do have a couple phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. But right now, let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi. How you doing? Very good. How can I get rid of wild onions? I have a great crop of them. <laughs> Are they in your grass? Yes. Yeah, but there's not too much you can do. There's nothing selectively that's going to get rid of them. And if you just kind of spray in general, it's going to you know cause some damage to the lawn that's right around the onions. But what you can do is... Step on them or kind of cut them. Cut them halfway down, and as soon as you cut them, then take some herbicide like Roundup and just paint it right on the, where the cuts, the open area of the onions are. And then that has a systemic quality, and that will send it down through the vascular system and then kill the onion bulbs that are below the ground. Okay, I'll try it Yeah, because pulling sure doesn't work. Oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> They are very vicious as far as uh, you know, trying to get them up out of the ground that way. Okay, thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go to Mary's yard now. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. I when I was a kid, I would walk past this shrub, and I found out it was a mock orange. And I'm having a hard time in St. Louis finding one. Yeah, Can I you yeah, recommend it. Oh, go ahead. Kind? What? Basically, it's it's not really all that popular because aesthetically, after it has, you know, let's say it's spring showing and nice fragrance and everything else, it kind of aesthetically kind of goes downhill. So mo- many of the garden centers don't bother carrying them anymore. So the best, you know, I would say maybe try the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see if they can find some, you know, if they know of a, a garden center that might have some. And uh, where, what part of town do you live in? We're in Crestwood. Crestwood? Hmm. Maybe try Garden Heights. That's okay. A, that's a nursery on Big Bend at Highway 4064. 
Okay, we'll try that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can give them a call and see if they have them. But uh, like I said, the mock orange has kind of lost its popularity, and that's why it's not available. And the big box stores definitely will not have it. So it's going to have to be a year-round type nursery circumstance. But they they are certainly worthwhile for their fragrance. Yes, they have great fragrance. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yep. And speaking of great fragrance, there's some lilac trees that are in bloom right now. And, whoa, there's like three of them in the Christie Park uh, park right across the street from us. One of them's pretty darn big. And, uh, I mean, the fragrance is just unbelievable. So it's kind of nice. And good luck with finding your mock orange. And now, Anne-Marie, how are you? Hello, Anne-Marie. Hello. I guess... Anne Marie, are you there? Oh, let's let's go to Doug's. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I've been advocating the use of uh, horticultural vinegar for a long time. Uh huh. And I hear you saying the same thing now. My question is: Is that harmful to uh, animals? Like, I have a dog that roams around in the yard, the whole yard. Uh, is that and uh, that horticultural vinegar harmful to my dog? Not that I know of, but you always should read the label to see if it is, but I'm pretty sure that it is not. Well, I don't see anything on the label saying anything about keeping it away from pets or anything. Yeah, so that means, you know, that's not one of the restrictions that uh, they find that's, you know, necessary. Okay, now what I normally do is I normally treat these plants in the morning. Uh, To avoid that problem, if I did it at night, uh, and it had a chance to either evaporate or soak in, would that lessen any possible uh, harmful effects? No, not really. So, I mean, it's going to be effective, you know, to whatever you're going after. at that particular, It doesn't really matter the time that you're doing it. When you're more active as far as breathing and everything else, like prime material has, you know, breathes in its own way, uh, during the daylight is a better time to do it, but uh, nighttime's fine. Okay, I thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to uh, Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi there. Hi. Um, I have a question about Japanese maple. I have moss growing on it on the trunk. Will that hurt that tree? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, now I also have one more here for you. I have a Kusa dogwood that has a canker or got canker. I I don't really I know what it does. It splits the bark. And it's eventually going to kill the tree, I think. Can a person put a new tree back in the same spot? Not the exact same spot. Because okay. even if you, you know, I mean, a, a kusa dogwood is not a huge tree, so you're not going to have the stump ground out or anything else. So if, you know, if it dies and you end up cutting it off, the root system is still going to stay viable for uh, several years after you've, uh, let's say, beheaded it. And so putting uh-huh. something right in that exact spot means the new system, the new root system is going to have to compete with the existing roots, which are probably going to be a little bit more aggressive. So you're going to have to position it at least a couple feet away from where the existing tree is. Okay. Well, this tree's only been in the ground about a year. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It really surprised me that it happened. <laughs> yeah. That's really weird, you know, for it to come, so- you know, to, to happen that quickly. Uh, that's what the nursery guy told me it had that was a canker. Oh. Could I just, you know, get it, dig it out of there and 
replant there, you think? Yeah, because if it's only been in a year, then the root system is probably not established yet. Yeah. So now the canker is is the sap bleeding? Is that why it's... Is that what's no, happening? The bark just all split on it. Hmm. It looked like you, somebody took a knife and just peeled the bark back. That kind of more sounds like to me like sunburn. Sunburn. Yeah. Really. So I mean, the tree is growing. Right. And looks healthy and everything, other than the bark. But a lot of times, I don't know if the the nurseries are still doing this, but historically, they always paint. There was a dot painted on the trunk, and that's the way you should always orient the dot towards the south because if you if you turn it around and the north side of the bark is going to get less direct sun and if it was turned in the wrong direction then consequently it, you know the chances of getting sunburn but you know that soon i you know if, unless the canker came with it i can't see that, that happening to me it sounds like it's a sunburn split but it will it will eventually die i guess not necessarily, but uh, if, oh, you're, con- if okay. you're concerned with it and you have a you know, guarantee to it and you want to get a new one, just make sure you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Okay. I don't remember that dot being on it you're talking about, the paint. Yeah. I, I'm not but, sure uh, that they're doing that as much as they used to. Okay. Uh, well, that's what I needed to find out. Thank right. you very much. Yeah, Kusa dogwoods are great, and I mean they're pretty tough and durable. But after in less than a year for it to have a canker, that seems a little strange. Yeah, that, I kind of thought that too, but you know I didn't know what it was, and I took a picture of it and took it back to the nursery, and that's what he said it was. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Bye. And now let's go to Emory. Hi, Emory. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have a question, excuse me, that might be the best of uh, two choices. We're talking the Pocomo crepe myrtle. Right now they're in places that are not getting enough sun. So the question is, is it better to take a chance on transplanting them now, which I suspect is a little too late to do it. They're not in bloom, of course. Um, well, are they leaf? Are they leafing out? No, not at all. I would say if they haven't started leaf out, then you got the opportunity to get them moved. Okay, so it's better to get them in sun than to leave them for fall planting right. or transplanting. I mean, how long they've been in this location? These locations. About a year and a half. Okay. So, yeah, I would say, you know, get them moved ASAP before any kind of new growth begins. Just water them the night before you're going to dig them up. Get the new location ready so whenever you dig them up, you can just pull them up out of the ground and move them and, you know, plant them in the new in the new location. And the crown is a couple inches above the the actual soil level? Yes, right. And when do I do my first fertilization? When the foliage is starting to fully come out, or you can wait if you want to until you start to see the flower buds. But I would say when your foliage is about, you know, ah, let's say halfway out, fertilize it, but only do half the label rate and then fertilize it monthly until it finishes flowering. Okay. 
Uh, I know <clears throat> the answer to this one, but I'm going to, you know, be hopeful. It's warm. I still would like to do um, a Scott's triple feed, which is a weed uh, uh, fertilizer and strengthening for the lawn. So I guess it's a pre-emergent technically. Can I do that? Well, a pre-emergent wouldn't do too much right now. So in other words, the cool season annual weeds are already up and exploded and they've been growing since, you know, last August. And the warm season annual weeds, they should probably with the they generally start germinating when the forsythia is in flower. So if this is a pre-emergence, you could put it down. It's not going to hurt anything. just means you can't put any kind of grass seed down. Not even after a couple weeks? Nah, I would say stay away from it. Okay. Um, and just do any kind of seeding you're going to do, just do it in the like uh, late August, early September. How about if I just not an overseed but a very localized seeding in bare spots? Well, you're probably not going to put this, you know, this Scott's product in the bare areas. So just, you know, rake those areas up really well, put the seed down, and cover it with about a quarter inch of compost. Okay. So I know it's not going to uh, affect the weeds, but is there enough benefit in the strengthening of the grass and the fertilization, uh, which is what the triple Scott's triple does to do that now. Well, what what type of lawn do you have? Bluegrass fescue or bluegrass fescue? Okay, so bluegrass. Those are that's a cool season. You know, basically lawn as opposed to the zoysia, and then consequently the cool season lawns they're going to be going you know dormant in about another month. So don't force too much growth out of them when the weather starts really getting warm because that could be adverse, having an adverse impact on them. Okay. And I know you usually like to limit this to two questions, but here's a quick one. On some of my house plants, not all of them, one or two, I'm noticing that white powder. Is that coming from the soil? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it could be powdery mildew. So in other words, it's uh, more or less a fungus that's in the air. It's not necessarily coming up out of the soil. It's not that it was overwatered or something like that. Not if they're not if they're healthy looking. No, they're very healthy. And I'm just wiping them off. Yeah, that's the best thing to do. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Bye bye. Bye, Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Paul Goldschmidt. Hi, I'm Miles Michaelis. I'm Adam Wainwright, and you're listening to the Voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. It's the Cards and Pirates this afternoon. Emron Total Access 1220. First pitch, 115. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions, just give us a call. And now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hi, Mike. I uh, really like the show. Well, thanks. Um, I was calling. I've been walking the garden, and a lot of good stuff's coming up. The only thing that it's not that I'm not seeing is a uh, hardy hydrangea from last year. I was just wondering if those are late to sprout or if uh, I should be concerned about it. No, you shouldn't be concerned. There's several things that really are not pushing out any kind of growth yet. So, uh if it's been if it's had a healthy life and there wasn't anything dramatic that happened to it during the winter time or something like that, it's just a matter of time. Okay, yeah, it was big and huge last year, so uh, I'm I was hoping it came back, and I'm I'm glad to hear that. Thanks yeah, a lot. It should be just fine. And now let's go over from Jim's yard to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, I got a question about, uh, about a uh, Japanese maple, and also I think the other tree is a flowering poplar. And I'm wondering, is it too late in the spring to prune those, cut those back a little bit, uh, or not? Uh, the poplar tree, no, not necessarily. But the Japanese maple, I'd probably wait until summertime and do the pruning in the summer. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. they see The maples just in general have less damaging sap flow in the summer than they do in the spring, fall, or winter. Okay. Uh, so it's better to do it since I missed this this early part, uh, spring. Is it better to do it way to fall, or is it better just to go ahead and do it, when, it, like you say, in the middle of the summer? Well, with the Japanese maple, I would say just do it in the summer. But the poplar okay. tree, are you growing it for the flowers and the seed pods? Is that why you're growing it? No, actually, <laughs> never seen any flowers on it. It's about it's about seven years old. I was just going to trim it up, uh, trim off some of the the limbs, the lower limbs, so I can mow under it oh. without ducking it. You know, uh, but uh, is it right to trim the uh, cut that one back a little bit? Those lower limbs, cut them off. Uh, I would I, not. Uh, you know, I would be careful about doing it this time of year. I'd say wait until I'm assuming it's starting to leaf out. Correct. Oh, oh yeah, both of them are. Yeah, right. Well, with the poplar tree, I would do that during the dormancy. So sometime fall, winter, early, you know, early spring. I just leave it alone for right now. Okay, appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And that's Thank just you. so. I mean, you just you never know what's going to happen. And if the branches are long, it's seven years old. So, but if the branches are you know over five feet long, cut them back in sections with the final cut. You know, at the trunk because you want to, you know, raise the branches up. But if you don't do that, what could happen is if you just try to cut it off at the trunk, the weight of the branch may tear some of the bark. So just be real careful about that. Should I leave about an inch stump, the stub? Yeah, not not an inch. An inch is probably a little bit too much, more like a quarter or a half inch. Okay. 
All right. Got you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Phil's yard. Hi, Phil. Hi, Michael. Uh, question, i got to get rid of some dead grass and then kill up the dirt. Can you mix uh, lawn food with your grass seed? No, you really shouldn't. What you should oh, do oh. is put the seed down and then use a seed starter-type fertilizer with it, but don't mix them together. Put them down separately. Okay, just do grass, grass seed only until it grows. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. It, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, put a... Let's say put the seed down, put like a quarter inch or so of the of compost down on top of that, then put the seed starter type fertilizer on top of that. Now, if these are really severe bare areas, uh, it's going to be kind of tough. And what realize if I don't, I'm assuming that you're putting down like a fescue or a bluegrass seed. Now that's going to be facing the worst season of the year for them when they just get germinated and start to grow then the heat of the summertime could really have an adverse uh, impact. So unless you're just absolutely desperate, I would wait until like late August, early September to put the seed down. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, because that's, you know, that by putting the seed down now or at that time in the late summer, early fall, then it gets to grow and grow and it's nice, cool and it's going to get a chance to get well-established before it has to face the heat of the summertime. Okay, we'll do that. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's see what's going on with Jim. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hi there. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Say, hey, listen, I have a question about my Nandina domestica. Uh-huh. Uh, as you know, it's kind of like a bamboo thing, and it had kind of a hard winter here. Right. Everybody's did. Mm-hmm. Well, four out of the five bushes look like they're dead. They're just sticks. One has some very delicate pink growth on it. It looks like they're trying to push out some leaves. So I'm wondering, can I cut this Nandina down to the dirt and see if it comes back, or should I just sit and wait? Well, you could go ahead and cut it back. You know, rather than cutting it all down at once, probably... Let's say there's 10 stems coming up out of the ground slash root system. I would cut maybe half of them back to about uh, an inch or two and then just leave the other and then just kind of see what's going to happen with it. So that way you're going to – and it's not really technically – then you know, heavenly bamboo is just a, a common name, but it's not really a bamboo in and of itself. Is it just, uh, are we too cold of an environment for this plant to, to grow? Well, generally not, but this, what happened is it got trapped by that, you know, in the fall, we had that really harsh cold snap, and it damaged Nandina, and it damaged lots of different broadleaf evergreens, be it boxwood, be it Manhattan Euonymus hedges, all kinds of different things really got knocked for a loop as a result of that cold snap. So I guess yeah, we could take a chance and trim off half of the of the uh, branches, huh? And then sit and wait. How long should I wait to see what's going to come back? Well, if you're not seeing any growth by let's say early to mid June, then it's probably a goner. Okay, fine. Well, all right. Thanks for the information. Sure, Very... my pleasure. All righty. Bye bye. Bye. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred. 
1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, just remember as your spring flowering bulbs finish flowering, go ahead and cut the flowers off, but leave the foliage and go ahead and do a fertilizing, about half the label rate of the fertilizer you're using. Don't use any of the, like, the triple 12s or triple 10s or things like that. Those particular fertilizers were developed for seasonal agricultural-type crops, not for the long-term you know, perennial aspects of your bulbs. So cut the flowers, leave the foliage until it's about half brown, then you can go ahead and cut that foliage back. But leave the foliage because that's what builds up the bulb's strength for possible flowering next year. Let's see, where should we head? Hmm. Let's go over to Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I, every year I grow tomato plants in my garden, and I only have like three or four plants. But for the past couple of years, at about halfway through the season, my plants start dying from the bottom up. Am I doing anything wrong or over-fertilizing or anything? Uh, generally, as long as you're keeping it well, you know, keeping them well watered, that's about the most important thing you can possibly do. Okay. So it, are you buying the same variety that you have historically bought? Yes. Okay, so maybe try a different variety. Okay. And it wouldn't be blight or anything like that, would it? Generally, I mean, that is a possibility. But for it to be, you know, consistently, don't – are you able to put them in a different part, you know, different part of your garden? Um. I can move them over like a foot or two, something like that. I've only got a uh, like a 12 by uh, 8 garden area. Okay. So I would say just move them. Don't put them in that same exact location. Okay. All righty. Yeah, generally with the tomatoes, your poor you know, fruit set, that's related to certain things. But uh, as far as them dying from the bottom up... Uh, and you, historically, you've had tomatoes with some success in this location. Oh, yes. I've had hundreds of them. <laughs> right. So I would say just go ahead and move them to you know, a different spot within the garden. Okay. Um, how often should I – is the recommended watering? Well, they like a lot of water. And make sure that you're using the tomato food because that's going to help them too. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep, Appreciate my, your help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, fertilizers that are specifically formulated, let's say, for roses or for tomatoes or things like that, have certain micronutrients that other regular fertilizers don't necessarily have. And that's why it's to your advantage to go ahead and buy a fertilizer. Even though you've had a history of good luck and everything else, I would say maybe, you know, take a look at the fertilizer and moving the new location. Okay. I will do that. All right. Let's go to Thanks. Julie's. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. Mike, I have two questions. First, I have lilac bushes, and where they're planted, they don't get enough sun. But, but they're too big to move. The 
the blossoms are all like 10 or 12 feet up in the air. I want to know if I can cut those trees down by a quarter so they won't be so tall without killing them. Yeah, you can cut them. I mean, prune them. But I'm, I thought you said there wasn't enough sun, because you, but you're still getting flowers. Well, there's not as much sun as they would like, but they're getting sun. Okay. We just have a lot of big trees in our yard, oh. so they get some sun, but probably not as much as they would like, and I think that's why they grew so very tall. Well, I mean, it could be age, too, because lilacs get pretty big. Well, if I, if I cut the top quarter off. I'm trying to get a shorter, rounder bush. Right. That's what I will. That do will that accomplish what I want? Yeah. As soon as they, fi- yeah. As soon as they finish flowering, do the pruning at that time. Okay. The second question is unrelated. Um, I have two little trees that are a little over between five and six feet tall. They're only about as big around as my little finger. And they were planted by the birds. I don't know what they are, but they have tiny, really tiny little white flowers. And the flowers are kind of trumpet-shaped, and then the, at the end they're in a four-point four white. But I'm wondering, could they be wild cherry trees? Because I have wild cherry trees in my yard. But the, the bark is really smooth. It's a brown bark and really, really smooth. The flowers are way smaller than a honeysuckle flower. They're really tiny. Right. Well, this is a small tree, too, or small sucker or whatever you want to call it. But what could they be? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of tough to say without being able to, you know, to see them. But uh, I would not think it would be a cherry tree, but uh, maybe it is. Probably what I would do is while it's in flower, if you can get a picture of it, then take it to your favorite garden center and have them take a look at it and see if they can identify it for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Appreciate your show so much. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And let's see if we can get another call in before we break. Let's go to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi there, Mike. Uh, I I had called you a couple of years ago about this same tree. It's but uh, it's uh, an ornamental flowering Japanese cherry tree. Okay. I think I think the name is Somi Yoshino. I think I don't know. Uh, but uh, um, it's it's bigger than it was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but but that's you know beside the point. But for the past two years, it's been flowering less. The leaves are getting a little smaller. And yesterday I was cleaning out around the bottom of the tree, and I noticed this sawdust-type stuff coming out of a hole about oh. two feet above the ground right. in the tree. So is it a goner or what? Well, it could be headed downhill. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a goner immediately, but it has a borer problem. So that's what's causing that sawdust and what's you know those holes there. And what they do is they disrupt the vascular system, and that's just without the vascular system being healthy to, to locate nutrients and moisture up to the top of the tree, then it could certainly head downhill. So it may not be able to recover. So what do I do? Uh, just leave it alone and see what happens. 
Oh, okay. Go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got a, a boar problem and see what they would recommend. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for being on my, my show. Here. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. And, folks, we're 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for having me in your landscape. This is a KMOX Garden Hotline. The second R means the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, if you have any ideas, questions, or concerns about your plant material inside or out, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The tip of the trial goes out to... Uh, for 20-plus years, we'd had the same CPA do our taxes, and the gentleman retired. So I went to uh, an accounting firm very close to where we live. They're actually at Bates in Morganford. It's called Accounting and Tax Services, Inc. So they did our taxes this year, and, I mean, they were fantastic. They just had everything all together. They provided envelopes and everything for you know my mine and Tracy's taxes. So a tip of the trial goes out to the accounting and tax services, and they were located at Bates and Morganford, but they're going to be lo- relocating down into Jefferson County. So uh, thanks to them for doing the taxes. It made it so much easier for me than historically I've had as far as like how to mail it, what address, this and that and everything else. I mean, they are just super organized. And Steve was the one that the gentleman actually did our taxes. So I greatly appreciate that. So a tip of the trial goes out to them. And thanks for inviting me on to your show, where discussions range from making plant selection for a specific location, how to care for, or uh, what should be done during the peak season or the times when other things are, well, not, not, let's say, impactful. How about uh, we can talk about annuals, your spring or your summer bulbs, your herbs, your vegetables, your fruit trees, your evergreens, ground covers, herbaceous or evergreen, like I said, perennials, cascading or upright house plants, warm season, cool season lawns. My zoysia is really starting to green up now, so I will probably, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to it today, but I'll start fertilizing it probably within the next week or so. And uh, how about those annual or perennial vines? Maybe you have a water garden or a fountain. Well, I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path for you to take to achieve the desired results, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player, as I have said, James, he's here producing. So when you call, he just needs your first name. And then when uh, he's not answering the phone for all the people that are calling in, then he's pushing buttons and sliding this and doing all kinds of other things that make this show go on air. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides a Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and do a walk and talk. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. 
And as I said before, the tip of the trial went out to the Accounting and Tax Services, Inc. So let's go ahead and get a call or two in before we go to a break. Let's go to Margie. Hi, Margie. Good morning. Um, I am calling with a question about growing some bamboo plants in a container. I have a a deck which is very close to my neighbor's deck, and I want to create a buffer, and I thought it might be cool to plant, I don't know, three or four bamboo plants in a narrow but long container, and if that would work. Do, do you can you tell me if you can grow bamboo and would it be okay in a in a container like that? Well, there are several different kinds of bamboo. If you're talking about the golden groove bamboo, which is the big, very aggressive one, they would probably survive for maybe a year or two in a container. But uh, then the winter time is going to give them a. So uh, I would probably maybe th- you know think about in this container. I don't know how deep are these you know these window boxes or whatever you're going to grow in. Well, that's the question. How deep do, will they, do they need a lot of uh, root room? You know, would they, cause I don't want to have a humongous cause they'd have to overwinter out there. And I, I assume they would overwinter, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. They are probably not going to be able to survive in a you know, in that situation. Okay. Probably what I look at is, you know, getting some pots, probably at least a five gallon pot, and then maybe putting some trellises, in each individual pot, maybe, I don't know how many pots you need, three or four. Yeah. And then grow vines on those, on yeah. the trellises. Mm-hmm. That would, uh, something like that. And then do, do you recommend any kind of vines that bush out a lot? You know, I'm just trying to create a buffer. Right. So I would say look at maybe uh, the Morning Glory. Sure. Okay. And uh, there's right. a there's another vine called the Hyacinth. H-Y-C-I-N-T-H, hyacinth mm-hmm. bean vine. Both those are, you know, pretty aggressive, get pretty good size. And those are annuals, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then if you wanted to put a, you know, try a perennial in with them, look at the red trumpet honeysuckle vine. And that would overwinter? Yes. Red suckle, what? Red honeysuckle. Red honeysuckle, Okay. And it's a vine. It's not a honeysuckle shrub. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. Thank you very much. Sure. Good luck with that. And let's go to Jerry's. Hi, Jerry. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, Got a a solution for the people with the Bermuda glass problem, Ah. which I had. Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R, makes a product called Bermuda Grass Control. All right. it actually works. Uh, you attach it to your hose, spray it on. Of course, the Bermuda's got to be live, you know. Sure. Doing actively growing. And actively growing. Uh, maybe wait a couple weeks, give it another shot again. And uh, maybe wait another couple weeks, give it another shot. Uh, it's killed it off. Uh, my grass is all back to normal again this, morning, this spring. Uh, I've done before. Sometimes uh, it might disappear for a couple of years, and then kind of comes back again. <laughs> Haunting. But, but it's easy to do. Just spray it on there, and it does not kill your other grass. Wow, that's great. It does uh, B A Y E R Bayer uh, Bermuda 
uh, control. I got it at Lowe's. Also, uh, I've even gotten it on Amazon. Oh, okay. Well, great. Yeah, Bayer's is a, the company that bought Monsanto, so they're right. a yeah. pretty big yep. chemical company. Yeah, but it's a lot easier to do than uh, digging up and all this other kind of stuff. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for the insight. Okay. You're welcome. Yep. And Have with a, a lot day. of the herbicides, it takes multiple applications. So your experience is exactly what you know what should have happened. So if you do have any questions or concerns, we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's go to Davida's yard. Hi, Davida. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for your show. I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, I usually put in a beautiful garden, flowering garden in the summer, but my budget has taken a drastic downward turn. Could you recommend a flowering ground cover that I could put in this year that would be more economical? As far as... Most of the ground covers are not going to flower for an extended period of time. Oh, okay. What would you recommend? Uh, it's just, a, you know, how big is this area that you're talking about? Um, it's about uh, 9 by 12. Okay. Maybe look at uh, something. Are you are you wanting to grow it from seed or are you going to grow it from uh, plants that you buy in a uh, and a flat that you get from a nursery, or what are you going to try to do? Yeah, probably from a flat, um, but I need to be more economical. Okay. I would maybe look at uh, looking at the sweet alyssum. Oh, okay. Because you can get the purples and whites and just kind of mix it together, and they bloom for an extended period of time. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. And then if you want to have something perennial to kind of mix in with it, I would take a look at some of the uh, sedums, S-E-D-U-M-S, and the sedums, okay. maybe get one that has a uh, purple foliage. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. So the combination of those two things should give you, well, it will give you color and flowering for uh, the entire growing season. Oh, that's great. I'm excited again. Thanks so much. Sure. Good luck. And now let's go to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. Um, I've got a problem with rhododendrons. The place I planted them is in the north, uh, faces north, and it's completely shaded once the leaves are out because I have a big uh, tulip tree sitting there. Um, they're not doing well. I, I'm wa- thinking I want to replace them. Should I? I don't know how old they are. Should I take them out and put in more? Or the other choice is endless summer um, hydrangeas. I have eight of those in my yard, and they do great. But are they in the same exposure? Uh, six of them are on the north side. My yard, whole yard's a cave once all the leaves come out. It's just solid. <laughs> solid. Right. So I don't know if I should put more hydrangeas out there. I like the rhododendrons, and I they just aren't doing well anymore. They did for a while, but now they're just looking sick. Well, probably as a combination of several factors— if it's up close to the house foundation, the rhododendrons, then uh, it could they're be... about a foot and a half away. Yeah, so that's probably the alkalinity of the soil. Are you checking the soil pH and then adding iron sulfur and types, that type of stuff? 
But, no, but I will. Yeah, you can try that if you want to. And uh, if the foliage is discolored, but also if you have a large tulip tree in close proximity, the root system of that tulip tree could have an adverse effect as time goes on because it's competing with the rhododendrons and they are just kind of, let's say, young kids and they don't know how to compete with, let's say, a large tree. Okay. Well, Mother Nature may be taking that tree out because it got hit by lightning last time. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it was very close to the house, too. Oh, my. Okay. So, but so anyway, even her- if the tree is taken out, the stump ground out and everything else, the root system will stay viable for a couple of years after that. So it's going to have a you know, detrimental or adverse impact on your rhododendrons. Well, do you think it would be more advisable just to change it over to the hydrangeas? You could give it a try. Probably what I'd do is I would maybe leave a couple of rhododendrons. I don't know how many you have. Just three on that okay. edge. Maybe take one of them out and then put a hydrangea in there in that spot where you took it out and then go ahead and uh, see see what's the impact on the two remaining rhododendrons and see how well the hydrangea does. But have the soil checked for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, because, I mean, the soil pH is extremely important for any kind of broadleaf evergreen. I did years ago for the lawn, but I didn't think about up around the house. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I called you earlier about the Japanese maple with the moss on it, and I forgot what your answer was about that. <laughs> the Japanese maple <laughs> with what? It's got moss on it, and I want to know if oh. it would kill the tree. No, no, no. If it's on the trunk, that's you know, there's nothing to worry about that. There's mosses, there's lichens, there's all kinds of things that grow on barks of trees that have no adverse effect whatsoever. Okay, thank you very much, then. Sure, my pleasure. <laughs> you wanted to see if I was going to give the same answer. <laughs> uh, let's go now over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, I got a question for you. I've got the uh, two garden or annuals beds um, that I need to add. That you know they've kind of reduced the soil between the bricks over the last oh decade or more, and I want to add about three inches to the existing soil that's in there. What is any recommendation? Is it I know you know garden? I can use garden soil mixed with compost. Any other additions you think? Because I'm looking. It's about an eight foot by eight foot area, and I need to raise it about three inches. Right. I would say just use, go to St. Louis Composting. They have something specifically called St. Louis Composting Raised Bed Mixture, and I would okay. I would do that. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. I've always mixed compost in, uh, but I've not uh, thought of that. Now, another thing, too, I've got uh, several uh, large pots to where I removed the annuals last year, uh, and I've let them sit with that uh, potting mix uh-huh. in there over the winter. Right. Is that okay to reuse, or do I have to toss that out? Oh, no, it's fine. So okay. I've been using, you know, I have, you know, I leave a lot of my pots with the potting mix in it for the winter time, and I have the same potting mix probably multiple years. And uh, I okay. do fertilize them and everything else, but uh, no, it's, you know, potting mix is a good medium. It's basically, it's, for structural qualities for the root system, but also mm-hmm. it provides good drainage and everything else. And if you're fertilizing routinely, then you should be fine. Excellent. Excellent, Mike. Thank you for the info. Sure. My pleasure. 
And now let's go to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Yeah, Mike. Somebody gave me a Buckeye tree. It's about 10 inches tall. It's a, is it too late to transplant it? Is it in a pot right now? Yeah. Probably what I would do is I would leave it in the pot and just, you know, dig a hole and put the pot down into the ground, leaving a, a, an inch or so of the top of the pot above the surrounding ground, and then wait until fall and plant it at that time. Okay. That sounds really good. So the, that I, way you're not going to be messing up the root system. And then the reason why I'm saying that is because sometimes if you, let's say, monkey with the root system and then it's facing our summertime, we don't know how soon that's going to be happening. It could have an adverse effect. So just leave it. And then that way, by planting in the fall, that allows the ground will be warm. That will help the root system to get established and then gets to go to sleep for the winter time. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Don Jard. Hi, Don. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've just got a real fast, quick question. I moved into a new home in December. The guy threw some what he called uh, winter wheat. Uh, some of that came up, and then I put 60 pounds of seed down on the uh, uh, 15th of, uh, no, 21st of, uh, of this month, uh, this last month. And uh, it's all up about an inch and a half, but uh, I haven't got any fertilizer down with that. Can I put starter fertilizer down with that two-inch grass that I sure. planted or oh, it won't burn it? No, you should be fine. Very good. I had people telling me, don't do that. You're going to burn what you have up. And so I held off. But with no. the rain coming, I wanted to get it down. Yeah, seed start, yeah. Definitely, I was going to say, make sure that you water it in. And that's with uh-huh. any t- you know any type of fertilizer. So you should be fine doing that. Okay, I'm hoping that'll give it the boost it needs to keep going because right now it seems like it's kind of stunted at about a, about an inch and a half. <laughs> so you know it's just not getting any taller. Right. So, okay. Well, thank you. Yep, my pleasure. And uh, let's go to Ron's. Yeah, uh, just a suggestion on some of the tree trimming. I know that to avoid uh, the bark tear. I was always taught that if at each cut you do an uppercut first, right, look closer to the supporting limb or trunk, and then do your down cut outside of that, uh, it prevents the the run of the uh, of the bark tear, and do that up to about six inches or a foot from the supporting limb or trunk, and finally do the trim cut that. Uh, you know, it's a quarter of an inch, but the stub is enough. You can hold it in your hand and support it as you're making that last trim cut. Right. Good ideas. Okay. Sounds perfect. So thanks, Ron. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a good idea for sure. And uh, so if you do have any questions, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I see, if you were probably listening in the last hour, just remember if you're taking your houseplants out on your deck or your patio or anything else after they've been inside all winter long, that uh, the chances of sunburning can be really drastic. And I sunburnt mine. And uh, that, I, you know, I've done it for a couple of years. Not the same. I don't sunburn them every year. But sometimes I like to do it and just see how long it's going to take them to recover. And now, also, if you do have ornamental grasses in your landscape uh, and the blades are brown, go ahead and cut those and get rid of those. So, 
Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. What defines us is who we are as a collective group and and, uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 9.35 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. With the uh, air temperatures, or the temperature just in general, getting warmer and warmer. Now, tomorrow is supposed to be cold, but then it's going to start warming back up again. Uh, earthworm activity. So they're going to be moving around and everything else. I've already got some uh, earthworm castings, you know, on my in my lawn area. But what that also means is if you're in an area where there's mole problems, the moles hear the earthworms moving now, this, the females are going to be having babies and all this other stuff, but the mole activity is going to start increasing more and more and more as the worm activity, you know, increases also. So just keep that in mind and uh, make sure that you get those moles under control. Those guys can really do some damage to your plant material. They don't eat the root systems or anything, but they tunnel and cause other problems with sort of evaporation, hydration, or dehydration and everything else. Let's head over to Ellen's yard. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Mike. It's nice to talk to you. Um, I'm one of the people who, uh, and I guess there are many, who I lost two of my established rhododendrons in the north-facing side of my house. And um, they used to do wonderfully. They're gone. They're dead. Um, Two of them, I've lost azaleas. I've lost... Um, another uh, rhododendron that was younger, and uh, so maybe it wasn't established enough. But I wonder if um, I've got to remove the dead ones. But the ones that my old ones that 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 did survive didn't flower, and and they're already sending up new uh, green, new their new growth. Can I can I cut them back even though? There were no flowers. There's nothing that came. Will they set on bud like they should for next year? Yeah, you should be able to. But, uh, you know, I'd be very cautious about pruning if they, you know, if they suffered some damage due to the cold and everything else. Just by leaving the foliage on them, then that helps build up the sort of the overall health of the the plant just in general. Because the leaves are what makes the food. The nutrients sure. of moisture come up from the from the ground, and then even if there's not directly direct sun hitting the foliage, that's where the leaf is, where the food is made sure. that helps yep. the overall health. So, so you, I should just let them go then. Let, let's see what happens right next year. Maybe they'll set on. I don't know, but maybe they'll set on buds like they ought to. Right, they should be. Okay. Um, I would say, and then. In the future, you can think about pruning, but uh, with rhododendrons and azaleas, pruning them is just, it's, you know, it's not really all that advisable. Yeah, I've never done it before. (laughs) Okay, yeah, too bad for all of those. Uh, Some I just have to replace. They're just gone. Yep. Okay, thanks for your help, Mike. Sure. And uh, be a little bit patient, too, because uh, some of them are not pushing out any kind of new growth. Now, the stems may be viable and everything else, but uh, before you dig them up and give them the toss, because you can always dig them up a month from now and after you know that they're not going to push out any kind of growth. So good luck with that, Ellen. And now let's go to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. 
Yeah. Hey, um, I got two redbud trees in the backyard, older ones, and the one more to the east, the bark is at the base is starting to peel off. Uh, but the one on the more to the west is okay. Any reason for that or what's wrong? It just might be, you know, maturity of the actual tree. So unless, you know, redbud trees are tough, they're durable, they're native. And so if you get some, you know, bark that's splitting, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. If the top growth looks fine, and I'm assuming they're in flower right now, and they're going to be leafing out real soon, so don't worry about that. Okay, so it's normal. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. And with, for any kind of, you know, not just red buds, but any kind of tree, as the diameter of the tree increases, then you're going to see splits in the bark. And uh, if you start to see sap coming out of them, or like the gentleman that called last hour, I believe, that he didn't see splits in the bark, but he saw sawdust on the ground and small holes, so he had borer problems. But uh, just splitting of the bark is not really something to be overly concerned with. Let's go now to David's yard. Hi, David. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? Good. Hey, um, I have a couple issues with um, two trees. About seven years ago, I planted a red bud in a river birch. About two, three years later, the red bud died. And then this past year, the river birch only showed about 50% leaves. And then this year, there's absolutely no leaves. Is it possible the ground is contaminated? I've talked to people and they said, well, maybe the roots were strangling the trunk. But I didn't see any of that. And I just find it odd that both trees in this on a city property would die within the first six, seven years. Yeah, that's kind of odd. So especially two, you know, adversely different types of trees. But uh, that's, you know, that whole thing about, you know, the root system strangling the trunk, that's a, a rare, rare, rare bird. So I would say with the river birch, you know, that's both of them. I mean, they're both tough and durable. So I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe when they were planted, they were planted like at grade, and then they sank a little bit. So even with the river birch, you wouldn't want it. You'd think, well, it's a river birch, so it grows in wet soils. So if there's a, you know, water puddling around uh, at the base of the trunk, uh, it should not have an adverse you know, impact. But with a red bud, that could be if they were, again, planted at, you know, at grade. So that's why I always recommend 20% of the root ball being higher than the surrounding ground. So if there's any settling at all. So why right. these two, you know, why the trees, you know, succumb to whatever, it's a little, you know, it's a little difficult to know. Right. But what's odd is the river birch, I mean, it, it was around for like six years. I mean, it's almost tripled in trunk size. It was, it was lively every year. The, tr- uh, the leaves came out full. And then all of a sudden this last year, it just like 50% just gone. And then I have a couple other bushes on the property that kind of died also. But then there's a, a, a cherry tree that is doing really well. <laughs> just shows you that uh, sort of growing plant material is always just somewhat of a roll of the dice. Right. All right. I will listen, Mike. Thanks for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Not much help, but uh, yeah, I mean, certain things, it's just you wonder what in the world could have possibly happened. So now let's head over to Diane's. Hi, Diane. Hi, Mike. Hey, I have two Kwanzan cherry trees um, right between my sidewalk and the street, and they have done wonderfully for, oh, I'm guessing eight years, nine years, something like that. 
Um, and I get unbelievable blooming each spring around now. Right. Um, this year, all the buds were there, and I thought, oh, wonderful, they're coming. But instead of I get maybe a few blossoms here and there, like less than 5% of the usual, and it's already gone to bringing out the leaves. Right. So Why did it do that? Probably just, you know, winter exposure or, you know, who knows what ha- what happened to the actually the flower buds because anything that blooms in the springtime, those flower buds are set, you know, in the in the fall. And so it could have been oh. just, you know, an adverse impact of, you know, some cold temperatures, you know, basically killed off the buds. But as long okay. as it leaves out and then the foliage is, you know, normal as far as the amount yeah. of leaf and everything yeah. else, then I would say don't worry. Okay. And then along the trunks, as they're growing, I get more and more cracks, vertical cracks in the bark um, on the lower trunk. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And then my euonymus, I heard you saying that people have lost some euonymus over the winter. Is that what happened to my mature ones, which are, you know, they're leafing out only on about maybe 10% of the branches? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the case, especially if they're the broadleaf evergreen euonymus, I'm assuming. They are, they are evergreen. Yeah. So. And so... I mean, I've, there's a house very close to us that I walk by routinely, and uh, they actually had some – their whole hedge turned brown. They did do some pruning, and now it's really leafed back out and looks pretty good. But oh. uh, it's just you never know. Individual circumstances, individual sites can have uh, – may not be the same thing that could happen right. you know, a few blocks away. How long should I wait to see some element of growth before? I mean, because if, if the growth that I see now is it, then it'd be so misshapen that I need to take it out. Yeah. How long should I wait to see any more growth? Probably uh, till the end of this month. Then if you're okay. not really seeing, you know, a, 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 let's say a, an adequate amount of growth, then go ahead and take them out. Okay, great. Um, and. Is that going to apply also to my azaleas on the – they are on the east side of the house, and most of them do not look very good right now. Yeah. I mean, are you – it could be the soil pH, you know, so in other words, it's too alkaline if they're up close to the house. And then why this this year in combination with the weather and everything else has thrown them okay. into kind of a loop? I would say just leave them alone and, you know, again – for another month or so, and if they're not looking any better, then maybe consider taking them out. Okay, because usually I get good blooming, and I put holly tone around them every. Oh, so spring. then you're you're doing what you should as far as the soil pH. Okay, so it might have been the winter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is there a, a age limit on? I mean, do they get so old and then they give up after a while? You mean the azaleas? Yes. Uh, generally not. I mean, there's some that are. Are, it's going to be, depend upon the individual, you know, growing circumstance as much as anything. Age is, you know, a factor. But if they're he- if they've been healthy and continue to be healthy, um, it's just you never know how long they're going to last. Okay, because some of these are over thirty years old. Oh my goodness, for thirty. Yeah, so I'm not saying they're dying of age, but uh, that's pretty good uh, showing. Okay. All right. Thank you so very much. Sure. Bye bye. Yep. And Mike Miller, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got some phone lines open.
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Yeah, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I uh, have a couple of questions. I'm renovating an iris bed, and the first question is, I have got some grass that has gotten into the bed, a, a mixture of fescue and zoysia. If I spray grass killer, will that harm the iris? Yes, because it has a narrow blade like grass. Okay, so I'm going to just have to dig them all up and get rid of the grass and then replant them. That's probably, the, you know, that would be the ideal thing. But if the grass clumps are separate or not growing up really close to the iris foliage, you could take some herbicide and just, you know, kind of crush the grass that you're trying to kill by stepping on it or squeezing it or whatever, and then paint the herbicide on it. That way you're not going to get any drift onto the iris. Okay, well, I'll see. I don't think I can do that, okay. but I'll check it and see. If I dig up the irises and replant them, is this something I should wait till fall to do? Yeah, you probably, I mean, it would have been a little bit okay to do it if you, if we were been talking a, a month ago about it. But do, to do it now... And having faced the uh, our summertime, that could be you know bad news for the iris. Okay, well I'll, I'll plan on doing it in the fall then. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Morning. Uh, I just want to ask a question. My daughter just moved in this house, and she had that some of those. I took a picture, and I think they are Irish. And I'm, they don't are not blooming, and I want to ask you, what can we do to get them? Yeah, well, some of the uh, traditional flags slash iris, they get once they get to be a certain age, they still will grow foliage, but they will stop flowering. Okay, because I don't know how long they've been there, but they really look nice, right? And they so they so close together, you know, like you know, really close, close. So I'm gonna try to put some. Uh, Fertilize on it and see if it'll boost it something up a little bit. Yeah, and, but you know, just, you don't think they're blooming. Well, I look at, I don't see no buds on them. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's a little bit early, so just you know, don't panic. But I've seen plenty of iris that don't have any flower buds on them yet at all. So uh, okay, I told her that. I keep thinking it's late, to, you know, because a lot of my stuff is not blooming like I want to, and I think right. I forget. This is just April, you right. know. Exactly. So and then one more question. I'm going to let you go because um, the elephant ears, is it too soon to plant them? No, you could do it, but don't expect too much out of them yet. I'm, I just wanted to know because I had already planted them when the weather got warm. Yeah. But I said you're supposed to wait till May. I said, well, they had a little, I bought them and they had a little buzz. Uh, um, so should we cover our stuff up with this temperature 40? No, that's not cold enough to do any damage. Ah, oh, okay, and you have a good day, and okay. thank you. For sure, and now let's go to Diana's. Hi, Diana. Hi, good morning. Thank um, you. You have a great show, by the way. Um, so I tuned in a little bit late. I may have missed conversation about the moles. Um, how do I get rid of the pesties, little creatures? <laughs> Basically, have a professional service come out and set the traps, You or you set the traps, 
or this, if you've got the, the mole activity, you can see where the runs are. You can inject yeah. this poison into the mole tunnels. And uh, what oh. it does, is it smells like earthworms. And then when they eat it, then they, you know, then it kills them. Okay, so do I just Google that to look for what I need to get? Right. You can certainly give that a try. Okay. And is that pet friendly, by the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, I the pets would have to dig. I mean, you're injecting it down into the tunnel, so it's going in okay. the underground. So okay. I would say read the label just in case. Perfect. Great information. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Sure, you do the same. And now let's head to Tony's. Hi, Tony. <clears throat> Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, just loving your show. My family's been uh, loving your show now for the, at least 10 years. And uh, thank you so much. Um, I, got, I probably have too many questions. I have two different kinds of hibiscus trees that I'm taking care of. One's up in the Chicago area. One's down a little down in Springfield area. Um, one is a double hibiscus orange flower. I just put that one out Um on the deck yesterday. Okay. And I make sure that um, I don't see it in the forecast for the next 10 days that it's going to get anywhere near freezing. Oh, no. So I think it should be okay here in Springfield. The other one is um, it's a tropical hibiscus. Uh, this that's pretty old. It's probably 20 plus years old. And um, I just put a little miracle grow in the water, and I'm going to be probably bringing that out in a week or so. Because um, it's up n- further north in the Chicago area, right? It might get a little colder, but uh, um, I just want to make sure I'm doing that right. One has the the tropical one has aphids, but I think I got rid of those um, while I had it in in, in for the winter. Um, but I'm going to clean. Up, I'm going to water down all of the leaves, and uh, and hopefully that'll do it when it's outside. Yeah, just take a look and make sure you get them under. You have them under control. Yeah, I, I hope so. And if not, I probably will use some neem oil or something like that. Right. Um, the other thing is my lawn um, down here in just south of Springfield. Um, we had talked in the fall, and um, you said to do some pre-emergent because there's a heck of a lot of weeds and little vines and creeping Charlie all over the place that are I can tell. You know, they're already the lawn's already got little tiny little flowers all over it from the the little vines that are coming up. Yeah. And, um, is it too late to do the pre-emergent, or is now the time? No, it's way too late. Okay. So Forsythia has already been blooming, so to put it down now, I mean, you might control some of the weed seeds that haven't germinated yet, but things that are actively growing, it's not going to do a darn thing for them. Okay. I have some other stuff that I think that I put on that actually kills weeds and is supposed to fertilize the grass. Um, is that... That's a different kind of thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's a kind of a weed and feed type thing. Is that that's okay now? You think? Yeah, it should be. Weed and feed. Okay, I'll try some of that then instead. And okay. uh, Tony, we right. got to run, so uh, let's. We got one more call. Bob, can you do it uh, kind of quick? Yeah, uh, Mike, I've got a, a burn pit that I burn my yard waste in. You know, and is that beneficial to the to my lawn, or is it just going to kill weeds and, and grass? Uh, and then the second question, yeah. So you're saying you burn your lawn? No, I burn my, uh, you know, like I got the yard waste trees and, you know, debris and stuff. I burn it, and then I have the ash. So can I throw the ash on there? Will it just, uh, will it be beneficial to the lawn or not? Or no, just kill it the won't. Weeds and it could be the uh, problematic from a phosphorus, you know, 
potassium standpoint. So no, don't do right, that. Right, right. Okay. And the second question is a uh, uh, surprise lilies. How do you get rid of them <laughs> when you dig them up? <laughs> yeah, that's about the only way. Or when the foliage comes out, you can spray an herbicide on them and kill them that way, like a Roundup type thing. So thanks, Bob. Thanks to everybody for calling in. Greatly appreciate it. And I will see you next week. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 